Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Welcome to Varsity Videos, brought to you by the OHIO Podcast. Here at Varsity Videos, we review and rank sports films from the Super Bowl to the Toilet Bowl. I am your host, Chris Wilds, a self-proclaimed popcorn expert and a podcaster, and I am joined today by my co-host, Eric Boggs. Eric, how are you doing today? We are doing great. We have made it to the final four. This is exciting stuff, man. We got two episodes, this one and one more, before... uh, we take a couple months off, man. Oh, I know. And, and and I'll tell you what. We aren't really taking a couple months off, though, when you consider we're doubling up duty over on the, the, the mother podcast, so to speak. So, <laughs> right. But, but, you know, it, it'll be nice to get back to just the business of football for a short time. You know, but hey. You know what it will it will do for you, Chris, is it will it will open up the opportunity for you to dive into all your Christmas movies that you love. I'm not going to lie. I was sitting at work today. had the phone going, Apple TV up on the phone, listening to a little Charlie Brown Christmas in my earbuds. Yeah. (laughs) Already. And I saw the post this morning you made and I, I almost made a comment. I was like, I can't believe it. We, we might have to come up with a movie, uh, a specific movie special, Eric. We, we just might. Uh, okay. Well, I'm, I'm down the clown. All right. Well, you know what? That aside, we, we do have a little bit of movie news that I've told this week, Eric. So what have you got for us? Yeah. So I found this movie that is currently running in select theaters right now called Running the Bases. And it is a faith-based uh, sports film, Chris. Um, and here is what uh, they say the movie's about. When a small-town baseball coach gets the offer of a lifetime from a larger 6A high school, he uproots his family and leaves the only home he's ever known. But as a man of faith, he soon faces extreme opposition to his coaching methods from the from the new school's superintendent. So – this is a, an interesting film. I have not read any reviews on it. It's kind of one of those faith-based films that seems to have possibly went under the radar a little bit maybe. Something that uh, uh, is one of those that a lot of people maybe don't hear of because they have a limited uh, marketing um, budget and things of that nature. But uh, I'm interested to see what this thing's about when it comes out somewhere on uh, some uh, – streaming uh uh network somewhere but uh from what i've been able to tell it's kind of got a little bit of a um uh the rookie kind of vibe to it oh nice. what i was able to see so a little bit different 
um, you know, with the faith base. Sometimes we, we, we've we've uh, talked about really a few of them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Facing the Giants, I think, is probably one of my all-time favorite oh, yeah. faith-based movies, whether that's sports or otherwise. And I, I, that's one of those films that uh, I think even if you're not a person of faith, you can uh, you can really enjoy that film for what it is. It's 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 a great football movie. Yeah, absolutely. So I'll tell you what, well, we've come to it. We're down to only a couple more a couple more matchups to go. Why don't we dive in, Eric? Yeah, so let's do this first. Um, our second chance bracket, uh, Chris. We uh, we don't talk about that a whole bunch here on the on the podcast. Right. So, um, but it's it's just kind of going on in the background, and uh, we've got a little sleeper movie here that's made its way uh, through that bracket to the championship. Little Big League from 1994 was a five seed, and it upset. Uh, uh, one movie in the first round, I can't remember what movie it was going up against the first round, but it upset that movie. Then it went up against the number one seeded The Wrestler from 2008, and by a vote of 57 uh, to 42%, so uh, by a vote of seven, uh, 16 to 12 in voters, Little Big League goes on to the championship, and it's going to be facing the number two seed, The Legend of Bagger Vance, that received 14 votes to 13 votes so by one vote the legend of bagger vance ups or uh, defeated the remake the karate kid so uh very interesting none nonetheless to see the legend of bagger vance barely get past the movie film that i i just have zero love for and then to watch the wrestler which i think is a great movie it's a, actually an award-winning movie yes it uh, is. Get, get taken down by a, a kid's sports movie from the nineties that didn't make it out of the first round of the 64 sports movie challenge. And so the second chance bracket uh, bracket championship. So it's kind of like the NIT, if you will, uh, it's going to be the legend of bagger Vance against little big league in the championship matchup. Chris, your thoughts. Well, I'll tell you, Eric, I mean, little big league is a cute movie. I, I, I don't know how it's gotten this far though. Uh, you know, it's not a bad movie, but, you know, personally, I think, especially The Wrestler, I think was, you know, a far superior film. And my op personal opinion, I think Bagger Vance is going to be a, you know, it is also a far superior film as far as, you know, the, the cinema itself goes. Yeah, the cinematography, the yes. script. Yeah, yeah. Everything about this says that The Legend of Bagger Vance should win this movie. But then again, honestly, little big league, little big league should have probably have not even made it out of the first round of this. So, who knows what's going to happen? Yeah, I mean, the fact that it took down the wrestler, and then the fact that Legend of Bagger Vance struggled against uh, the Karate Kid, which it's terrible. Uh, I I almost expect little big league to pull it off. They're on a, it's on a, it's on a roll, man. Yeah, yeah, and I'll tell you what, good luck to it because I'll tell you. The Legend of Bagger Vance is a extremely, extremely well done film. Also going on right now, uh, you if you go to uh, any of our Facebook pages, whether that be the OHIO podcast, the fans page, or more more likely, what you should do is go to our Varsity Videos uh, Facebook page and like that and follow it there. You can go now and vote on our Varsity Letter Awards. These are the 
different categories where you can vote for the actors or actresses that played in certain categories uh, in movies that won at least one matchup in the 64 Sports Movie Challenge. Right now, you can go and vote for, uh, let's see, the uh, best supporting role. Or and then the other one that's up for you to vote for already right now is best antagonist role. So both of those are available for you to go and vote for as we speak. All right, let's dive into the final four. Are you ready, Chris? Let's do this. All right. So the number one seed, Rocky Two, which came out of the sequels and remakes bracket, is going up against Over the Top, which came out of our family friendly bracket, a little Sylvester Stallone on Sylvester Stallone Crime, Rocky II from 1979. Very popular film, an award-winning film, um, a film that, uh, as far as sequels are concerned, based off of how it just ran ran through that bracket, is probably one of the greatest sequels ever made. Over the Top is just a charming film. It is the probably the worst, but yet the greatest arm wrestling film ever made because I don't know of another one that was ever made. I've seen films that had arm wrestling in it, but not a film about arm wrestling itself. That is what this film is. Uh, Both of them star Sylvester Stallone. And I can't wait to get your take on this one, Chris. I have a sneaking suspicion which direction you are going to go, but I will go ahead and let you go first before I tell you what my vote will be. Well, I'll tell you, I, I love both films. I really do. Over the top, I, you, you know, I love the story there, uh, the, the father-son story, the, uh, the, you know, the kind of the evil grandfather who's not really as bad a guy as you think he is, but really he kind of is. Uh, you know, the the uh, the kind of rivalry there between him and I believe the what, Bull, I think, of the guy's name. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I think the arm wrestling itself is actually very entertaining um and i think it maybe has a better soundtrack than rocky 2 uh which Ooh, i think i don't soundtrack, know about that oh i really do believe it may eric it's uh, a good it's a great soundtrack but rocky 2's got some it's got all the same music from rocky 1 it's got a, some new additional uh, great beats in that but i i, I would say over the top has definitely got the more catchy pop hit that came out of it. Yeah. But, uh, you know, as good as over the top is it, it's not Rocky two. It's not an iconic film. Rocky two is not only iconic among sequels. It's iconic among movies in general. Uh, the first two Rocky movies were just tremendous movies. Uh, there was a seamless transition from one to two. It's like, it never skipped a beat. Yep. Uh, you know, I think that the continuity was great there. Uh, I think the acting is extremely good in, in the film uh, from top to bottom. Uh, you know, and just tremendous, tremendous film. A great story. You know, who doesn't love the underdog story, especially when. Now, now we've talked about this in the past, Eric. I like I like the way one ended a little bit better. You prefer the ending of Rocky Two, yep. where he actually captures the title. Yep. Uh, and, and who doesn't love it when the underdog wins? You know, I right. mean. It's a great, great story. I got to go Rocky 2. All right. So uh, you know me. Rocky 2 to me is greater than, than Rocky, the original. Uh, I know we differ on that. But 
I'll say this, Chris. I I think Over the Top has made a great run. I think it is a charming film. The fact that it made it to the final four, I think, is is just as a number five seed, nonetheless, is is great for that film. A very underrated film, a film that you could pop in uh, on the DVD player, a Blu-ray player, or stream it, and it's safe for your family to watch it. But Rocky II is iconic, and quite frankly, Chris, I can't go against it, and neither can most of the listeners. By 97% to 2, 35 votes to 1, Rocky II runs away with this in the final four to head to the championship. And kudos to whoever gave over the top that sympathy vote. Yeah, exactly, exactly. All right, let's go on to the next matchup in the final four. That being Cool Runnings, the number four seed from the uh, Olympic bracket. And I'll be honest with you, Chris, I'm surprised it made it here. I I thought I, Tanya. Or, which was the number one seed, or Miracle, which was the number three seed, I believe it was, yeah. were the two favorable films here. I also loved Eddie the Eagle. I think that is just an absolute tremendous film. Cool Runnings, though, obviously has a fan, um, is very, very much a fan favorite film there in that bracket. It's going up against a the, the, the biggest seed here, the, the largest seed to get to the final four, uh, since we've been doing this, number nine seed, Days of Thunder. Of course, you got Tom Cruise, and I've heard this be the movie be described as Top Gun on wheels. I think that's a pretty good uh, description. Yeah, it's got the beautiful Nicole Kidman in it. Randy Quaid is in this film. Robert Duvall, uh, uh, Michael Rooker, John C. Riley. Just a great, great cast in that movie. I call it the greatest stock car racing film ever made. Um, this is going to be very, very interesting here. As I talk through this, I, I'll be honest with you, Chris. I've gone back and forth all week on what I want to do here. I think Cool yeah. Runnings is, just like I described over the top, it's a, it's a film that you can put in anytime with with people of any age, and it's safe. And it's funny, and it's enjoyable, and it even has a soft spot spot at the end where it hits you in the heart, you know? Um, I think it's a great film. Days of Thunder, though, to me, is, is unique. It is a unique film. There's something very special about it, Chris, that I just can't put my thumb on, but I love it. Do you want to talk about any of this before I let you know what I'm going to pick here? Well, I'll tell you, Eric, I think maybe one of the most unique things about Days of Thunder is the fact that if you look at most movies that are out there about racing, it seems like they're almost mocking the sport. I think that Days of Thunder takes a, a, like a serious look at the sport. It's a more serious approach. I mean, there's a lot of fun in the movie. There's a lot of excitement in the movie. Uh, but I don't think it kind of I guess, pokes at the fans of the the sport or pokes at the sport itself. Right. The, the, uh, I, I think the, that that's one of the reasons it is a, such a good movie. Yeah, I I, I I I see what you're saying. That basically most most of Hollywood, when it looks at uh, at NASCAR, considers it white trash. 
and it's a comedy. Well, I, I mean, if you look at racing movies in general, a lot of time, I mean, obviously you got the Ricky Bobby thing. You, you look at something, even a good film like, you know, Ford v. Ferrari. They have they have some very comical scenes in that that makes these guys seem like real goofballs. True. Uh, and I motorheads, just, yeah, you know, yeah. French monkeys. Yeah, I don't think you get that as much out of Days of Thunder. Um, as you said, you know, then you take a look at, at the other film in Cool Runnings. Absolutely a charming film. It is a based on a true story film, and you will run the gamut of emotions when you watch this movie. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you'll laugh. You, you may even tear up a little there at the end. Like you said, that when they're walking that sled across the goal line, it, it pulls the heartstrings just a little bit. So, uh, yeah. For me, no, you know, and we may disagree on this one, Eric, because I don't know. Maybe it's the true story nature of the, of the film. I got to go with Cool Runnings. I just, mm. I, I, I almost, I kind of figured you would. I'm actually going to pick Days of Thunder here. I, I just feel – usually I go with the film that I personally like more. I'm actually going to pick yeah. the film that I think is better in this category just because I just feel like I need to honor that movie that way. So that's the one I'm going to go with, which means, Chris, since we disagree, it's going to be left up to the fans here. So let's go see what they had to say. And uh, it, it was kind of close. By a vote of 25 – to 16, so 60% to 40, Cool Runnings wins over Days of Thunder. So Cool Runnings will be the challenger to Rocky II in our 2022 64 Sports Movie Challenge. Chris, your thoughts on Cool Runnings versus Rocky II? Well, I'll tell you, I, I love Cool Runnings, but uh, I'm going to have to sit and watch it. Because it, it, it's got some ground to make up if I'm even going to start to be swayed, just to be 100% honest. Yeah. Um, how about this? Cool Runnings was one of, I believe, two films. I think we only had two in the entire 64 Sports Movie Challenge this year that was in our uh, 64 Sports Movie Challenge last year. And yeah. Cool Runnings was one of them. Cool Runnings lost in the first round last year. Well, we talk about it all the time, Eric. It comes down to the matchups, and, and I don't recall what the matchup was last year. But my guess is it had to be a pretty good movie to knock them out in the first round. Yeah, I'll have to go back and look at that. That's a that's a good question. But so uh, that means that we have two movies that we need to re-rank in our flick chart, Chris. Let's start. With the first one, actually, this might be, I don't know that we've ranked this one over the top. This might be, this might not be. I think be that's a, a new one. Yeah, this is new for us. It absolutely is. Oh, this can be very interesting what happens here. All right, here we go, Chris. Over the top from 1987 against from another 80s sports movie, a fun one, a kind of a coming of age movie, Teen Wolf. I got to go over the top. I I, I'm going over the top as well. I'm surprised to hear you say that, but I agree with you, Eric. Uh, over the top is just a great movie. All right, here we go. This is the first time I think this uh, I could be I could be swayed here from 2000 The Replacements. Oh. Mhm. This is a this is a tough match. Yeah, over the top is good, but The Replacements is one of those movies that every time I see it on TV and as I'm flipping through, I have to stop and watch. Just because it's got so many great just little moments to it. 
Hey, come on. It's got Shane Falco, the Ohio State quarterback. Right? Uh, I know. I knew you. All right. Read the replacements. You got yeah, it. I got to go to the replacements. <laughs> From 2008, The Express. I like The Express, but I think Over the Top is actually the better film here. Oh, I don't know. I like the, I like the, you know, I'm really drawn to the true story movies quite a bit. But you know what? I, I, I kind of agree. I think Overtop is probably the better movie overall. All right. From 1999, Any Given Sunday. I got to go Any Given Sunday, Eric. All right. I'm about to say something. I, I, you're probably going to be upset with me. I think Any Given Sunday is overrated. I think it's a movie that's it's a kind of a trashy movie. And it's got one really good scene at the end. That's how I view it. Okay, fair enough. Let's flip for it. You want heads or tails? Oh, give me tails. And you win. Tails. All right. Go to Vegas. I've been on a little bit of a winning streak lately. Yeah. All right. Here's one for you. This movie's going to be in our championship next week. Cool Runnings from 1993. What would, this is a what if. What would have happened if? Um, uh, you know, I still would have gone Cool Runnings here, I think. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm probably with you there. Let's go with Cool Runnings. All right. Um, from 1994, D2, The Mighty Ducks. Give me over the top. Yeah, I'm going to take that as well. From 1981, The Cannonball Run. Ooh. I love Cannonball Run. It's such a fun movie. But you know what? <laughs> oh, oh, as fun as Cannonball Run is, as entertaining as it is, Over the Top's a better movie. Two for Over the Top, and it now sits at number 47 on our flick chart. Number 47. All right. Now, I do believe this one. Well, we know this one's a re-rank because we just had to play it. Yeah. So we just had to face it. Days of Thunder. That was one of those ones that we added back at the beginning of the season. Oh, yeah. Days of Thunder from 1985, Teen Wolf. I'm going to go Days of Thunder here. All day, every day. 2009, The Blind Side. You, you know, I think Days of Thunder flows a little better. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't have as much drag as you do with The Blind Side. Even though I like The Blind Side, I'm going to go Days of Thunder. I agree. Oh, from 1996, Happy Gilmore. Take me to my happy place. Happy Gilmore. All oh, day. yeah. All day, every day. Oh, we, we, we know which one this is going to be from 1979, Rocky II. <laughs> oh, Rocky II. Oh, well, we just determined that one. From 2008, The Wrestler. The Wrestler is so good, but again, I, I'm with Days of I have some pacing Day. issues with The Wrestler, Eric. Yeah. I'm going to go Days of Thunder. I agree. From 1988, Bloodsport. Oh. Blood sport. Mm-hmm. All day, every day. From 2004, Miracle. Ooh. You know, Miracle has its pacing issues, but it is so good that it overcomes that, in my opinion. I'm going to take Miracle. Let's flip for it. I'm going to go Days of Thunder. And Tails it is. You're two for two again. All right. So Days of Thunder falls from... Uh, looks like it fell from 25 to 29. Hey, still in the top 30. We're okay. Yeah, there you go. 
All right, so uh, I guess that's uh, that's the that segment for this show, Chris. I think so we got one more big showdown next week, Eric. That's it. Well, yeah, we we uh, well next week will also be our awards show, Chris. So we'll let everybody know what the Varsity Letter Awards are for 2022. Plus, the movie we'll be reviewing will be the champion. So whichever movie wins, that's the one we're going to review, Chris. All right. I mean, that means I gotta work, Eric. I'm gonna have to have two reviews ready. Nah, I'll I'll, <laughs> I'll take I'll take care of the I'll take care of that one. Since you're doing today's, I'll take care of the champion. All right, you're gonna give me the day off. I appreciate that. You're well, right. you know what? I'm not gonna give you the day off. I'm gonna let you go ahead and introduce today's movie. So today, Chris, we're gonna be talking about one of my favorites in a movie that I think most of us who uh, went to school in the 80s and 90s can relate to very well and that is a, really a film that's kind of this show's named after Varsity Blues Are these times contagious I've never been this bored Is this the prize I've waited for? Now with the hours passing There's nothing better to mature I long to Varsity Blues, Chris, is is uh, it's an interesting film, man. It was uh, it was given a budget of sixteen million dollars, and it grossed in the box office fifty four point three million dollars. It did very well. Uh, it was written by Peter Eiliff, who uh, I thought who I listened and, and and watched him do an interview where he basically said he wrote the script based off of people and experiences that he had in his high school. <clears throat> so I think where that's where a lot of this nineties realism uh, of this film yeah. comes from. It was directed by Brian Roberts and it was produced by the uh, MTV production company, um, which given it's, um music and uh, soundtrack you can you can tell that these were all songs that were very very popular in the late 90s so uh good job there it was distributed by the paramount pictures company uh music was um uh, arranged by mark uh isham or isham uh the main actors james vanderbeek john voigt paul walker ron lester scott kane Tiffany Love, Amy Smart, Tommy Duffy, Joe Pitchler. Um, great cast. 
uh, I did not know that Tweeter, who was played by Scott Scott uh, Kane, you know who his father is? Yes, yeah, James Kahn. James Kahn. I keep saying Kane. Kahn. It's James Kahn. I did yeah. not know that, dude. That one that one snuck up on me, man, uh, this week. Of course, two of the, the beloved actors from this movie are deceased, that being Paul Walker uh, and Ron Lester. The, so two of the main guys, Lance Harbour and Billy Bob in this film uh both are no longer with us which when i watched this film i gotta i gotta i gotta be honest with you i'm i'm saddened by that um paul paul walker of course was a uh teen heartthrob and someone who the all the young girls thought was so handsome and made his mark there in the uh, fast and furious films and then uh ron lester who went on to lose a a, a lot of weight over 250 pounds in fact um, yeah i was and, amazed when i saw his his picture yeah, and when he passed away, you know, it was devastating. Uh, of course, he was well known for being Billy Bob in this film. So I'm not gonna I'm not gonna do any more introductory. I'll say basically what IMDb says: a backup quarterback has chosen to lead a Texas football team to victory after the star quarterback is injured. Chris, no more pleasantries. Take it away. All right. So as the movie opens. We hear the voice of our protagonist, Jonathan Moxon, as he gives us a little story, a little history story here, a little history about laws and football, and basically how the, the impact of high school football is a way of life in West Texas. And, and Eric, that, that seems pretty true, true pretty, pretty true story there, because if you ever hear people talk about Texas football, it very much is a way of life down there. As he speaks, we see clips of himself and his friends playing peewee football. Uh, you know, we come in on, on modern day, so to speak, and Mox is just kind of laying there reminiscing when his little brother Kyle enters the room strapped to a cross. And he asks Mox if he thinks he's going to need playing time tonight. Well, you know, Mox becomes a little irritated by this. You know, he, he tells his brother, hey, Lance Harbor is the best quarterback in the state. And, and as a man, not only of the cross, but a man on the cross, you need to pray for his health, you know. Uh, John then goes downstairs, uh, Jonathan goes downstairs to breakfast, where we're introduced to the parents, uh, his father Sam and his mother Mo. Sam immediately, uh, you know, asks Mox if he played, you know, prayed for playing time. And he lets him know, yeah, I just spoke to Jesus upstairs, referring, of course, to his little brother Kyle. Uh, Sam gets irritated uh, because he thinks they all need to be focusing on the game that night. Well, about that time, we hear a horn, and Moxon's ride for school has arrived, and, and Eric, I absolutely love th this scene where they're riding to school. This is where we're introduced to the, to the core friend group there, and, and that, of course, being Billy Bob, who, you know, as Moxon's trying to get in the car, is trying to pull away. Uh, and, and making Mox chase down the car. Uh, you got Wendell in the back of the truck bed. You got uh, one of my favorite characters in the movie. He doesn't get enough airtime, Eric, and that is Bacon. Bacon. <laughs> Bacon, of course, you know that's is a Billy pig, Bob's right? pig, no, it's not. Billy Bob thinks is a dog. <laughs> yeah. Uh, then Tweeter comes in, and, and uh, you know, Tweeter might be my favorite character in this movie as well. Uh, just absolutely nuts. And, of course, the last stop is to pick up QB1, that being Lance Harbor. 
you know, they arrive at the school. They they arrive to a bunch of fanfare. Then we instantly jump to a pep rally, Eric. And and this is where we first encounter Coach Bud Kilmer. And Kilmer comes across as a no nonsense, hard ass coach who just he's. And we find this out later in the movie. He is going to do whatever it takes to win. He's going to win at all costs. The pep rally also gives us a little introduction to Lance's little sister, Jules, who just also happens to be Mox's girlfriend. You know, as, as the pep rally, they kind of sneak away. We find out just how much Mox and Jules really don't care for the, the culture of, of high school football or West Canaan itself, how they kind of despise Kilmer and can't wait to get out of town. Well, then we jump to the pregame locker room. Where, and I love this. These guys are getting pumped. They're getting jacked. They're ready to go. As Mox as is walking through, he happens upon the trainer's room and sees Lance about to be ejected before the game. Of course, Kilmer shuts the door in his face before anything can be said. During the game, West Canyon is absolutely killing the competition when an errant pass comes to the sideline. Well, I'll tell you what. About this time, Mox picks up that ball and from a seated position throws an absolute frozen rope across the field, hitting the official right in the gut. Yeah, then you get the 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 parents in the stands, the announcers kind of mocking him for you know this being the most action he's seen since he started. Uh, but at the same time, Kilmer notices that that the playbook that Mox has been studying, he's actually reading a book inside of there as well. Well, as the game starts to wrap up, Eric Billy Bob takes a little bit of a shot in the head, uh, which which turns out to be a pretty key thing for this story. Uh, but he takes a little shot to the head, and he gets up, seems to be okay as he leaves the field. After the game, you know, you got Kilmer, he confronts Box about the book and threatens to cut him from the team. And just as they get back to the locker room, we see kind of our battered winners, and they're kind of licking their wounds a little bit. Wendell's telling Kilmer how, you know, he's kind of hurt. Kilmer's basically saying, man up. And Lance is over there in the corner, kind of you know, scoring some Viking from Tweeter, trying to help him manage his pain. Well, after the game, the guys go, they, they hit the, the, the post-game party. And, and I'll tell you, I love this party because, Eric, I, I know you probably partied a little as a young man. And, and this was every high school party I ever went to. You know, you had the craziness, you had a little bit of sex going on, some drinking. And let's face it, the one guy who was a little too old to be there but somehow snuck in. Well, Tweeter had a little fun with him, so we won't worry about it. We weren't going to ruin that for everybody. Uh, but, you know, then you got Lance and Darcy, uh, his girlfriend, who were introduced to at the party. And well, they're having a little party there under the locker room, or the laundry room, rather, until Billy Bob busts in and decides to barf in the washer. So good times there. Then we jump to practice the next day, and we have, you know, another go-around between Mox and Kilmer again which is kind of the underlying theme of the first two portions of the movie is, is, is the, the friction between Mox and Kilmer. And Mox and Audible's to a spread formation when he's out there leading the WOs against the first-team defense. Before he can even snap the ball, Kilmer goes off on this tirade, and all the football dads are kind of watching and just eating this up and, and remembering how they used to you know, have them go off on him, or Kilmer go off on them the same way. So in a little bit of a foreshadowing, Mox, you know, tells the other dads he's kind of walking away. I finally stood up to Kilmer, and he will too. After the practice, we 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 go to a barbecue, Eric. 
Everybody goes to a barbecue after practice, right? So we got the Harbors and the Moxons and all the loudmouth dads from town just sitting there drinking and talking trash. Well, Joe Harbor and Sam get into a little bit of a, a dispute about uh, Sam saying that Mox would be the starting quarterback if uh, Kilmer wasn't such an ass. And this leads to this little competition between the two. And, you know, the kids are trying to blow it off and stay out of it. But, you know, Lance does what he's told and throws the football for dad. Well, when Mox doesn't throw the football right away, he gets badgered a little bit. And, uh, well, in a manner of speaking, he goes ahead and he decides to play as well by drilling his father right in the face with the ball and breaking his nose. Uh, the next day at school, we catch up to the guys, and, and Eric, they're in health class. And, and this was an interesting health class, by the way. But the point of the class, uh, of bringing this up, is the fact that Billy Bob kind of becomes ill in class and eventually passes out. Kilmer finds Billy Bob in the nurse's office and convinces him, or basically bullies him, into playing against doctor's orders that night. Well, during the game, the Coyotes are down, but not out, and Kilmer forces a very wobbly Billy Bob back onto the field. Of course, Billy Bob passes out with the snap, and Lance gets pummeled and severely injures his knee. Box uh, comes in, completes his first pass of 40 yards. He then clocks the ball by drilling the opponent's mascot in the nose, just like he did his father the day before. And the look on his dad's face is just priceless when he realizes what happened. Uh, he's unable to decipher the play that's being sent to him on the last play of the game, so he decides to audible himself to a halfback pass, which he catches and runs in for the game winner. And as this, the first third of the movie kind of closes, Eric's, we see Mox kind of, I think, Starting to have a little self-conflict there as before, you know, he was totally against the whole idea of the star status of football players. And he's just starting to enjoy it a little bit there after he wins that first game. So that's kind of the way this, the movie started out, Eric. What were your thoughts? So I'm not going to lie. I've seen this movie a lot, Chris. And of course, which is my tradition to do i make sure we watch it uh before we record it happened to be that i watched it yesterday morning and then uh when i got home from work a little bit ago i ended up watching all the specials on the dvd all the extras i hadn't watched before and um i think that this movie does several things very very well and i i'll hold off on my what i think this movie is really about at the end to the end yeah but as far as opening and giving you a scenario and a feeling, I think this movie does a great job of relating to the time period. Um, it's kind of funny to think about this movie as a time period piece, but it is now. What what my son and what my stepson will soon experience and when he goes to high school is completely different today than what it was in the 90s when this film was made. Oh, yeah. Coach can't grab you by the mask anymore, drag you around, smack you on the back of the helmet. No. They just can't. No. Um, just the overall experience of high school is very different yeah. today than what it was then. And there will be a day when my stepson's old enough that I'll be able to sit him down and let him watch this movie. And I'll basically I'll say to him, this was what high school was like when your mom and I were, were your age. <laughs> And I am intrigued to get his like 
like interpretation of that. Um, because I think it'll be very eye-opening to him. Um, my wife loves this movie. She admits that she went to a, a small high school, uh, kind of similar as far as like the size as to what this one was. And, you know, those Friday nights uh, where she went um, and, the, and the guys that were in on the football team, very relatable. I went to a larger high school, but at the same time, I can I tell you I can't tell you how many guys that were the Billy Bobs or the Tweeters or the Moxley Moxies you know like I, I just they were just so many of these guys yeah that um were relatable in the experiences that that this movie brings up like like the the uh, after after win party you know yeah just so many things. And I think that to me is what this movie does very well for people who are in our age group is we look back at this movie and we smile and remember our lives, um, which at the time I don't think maybe was what he, the director or the writer was going for, but in it interesting that that is what it has become. And it still holds up very well. Don't get me wrong. I don't look at this and, 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 and think of Hoosiers here, you know, this is this movie still, even though it's over almost 20, geez, it came out, what, 99? So 23 years old, 23 years old. It still holds up well, Chris. Yeah. yeah. The only thing is, you know, Twitter would be probably doing life right now. So, <laughs> yeah, a little bit different. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we open the next portion of the movie and we're at the hospital where we find out that Lance is obviously severely injured and very likely likely will never play football again. Uh, the doctor stated that he's had to have been playing with pain for some time now due to the massive amounts of scar tissue in the knee, and Kilmer denied knowing anything about it. Uh, of course, before Moxon could say anything, Kilmer rushes him out of the hospital, and uh, Lance's girlfriend, Darcy, follows. Uh Mox, you know, agrees to take Darcy and drop her off at a party, uh, the after party. Uh, of course, on the ride home, she changes clothes in the car. Makes Mox a little bit uncomfortable, but we can see Darcy's maybe starting to put the moves on Mox just a little bit as they head to the party. Uh, as Mox goes to leave, she makes sure to tell him, you know, you don't always have to do the right thing. Uh, Mox leaves, you know, and as he leaves... The police pull up. And Eric, this is a great scene, too. The police have this fun little interaction with Tweeter. He gives the cops his beer, says he's going home, and then steals their car. Mox, meanwhile, is going to grab himself a Coke at the corner store. But you know what? His money's no good there. and The Coke is gone. It's replaced with a six-pack of beer. No charge. It must be great to be a star in a small town, right? So... As he's sitting there having his beer out in front, I guess participating in public intox, uh, Tweeter pulls up in the cruiser full of naked teenage girls. Uh, Tweeter tries to get Mox to go in with him, but you know, he's just not having any of it. So Tweeter and the girls take off. After the, the, the chance meeting with Tweeter, he goes by to see Jules. And, you know, he again mentions that maybe he's... He's showing a little bit of confusion about this new status that he has. Um, 
then we see, you know, a little football montage. We have another wind come along. And Mox is starting to enjoy that newfound celebrity just a little bit. And I think it's a little more than Jules likes. Uh, next thing you know, the whole town, with the exception of Kilmer, is behind Mox. Uh, you know, after practice uh, the next day, Kilmer calls Billy Bob into the office. And this is where he really starts getting on Billy Bob and blames him for Lance's injury. Meanwhile, we've got Darcy inviting Mox to come over for a little dessert after practice. <laughs> I think that's a good way to put it, right? This. <laughs> well done. So, you know, well done. That's okay because mom and dad, it's, it's, it's half price night at the gun club. They won't be back before 11 o'clock. All's good. Uh, so... Mox goes ahead and decides to uh, go over. And after a little bit of flirting, we get uh, what is probably one of the most memorable scenes from this movie, Eric. That being the whipped cream bikini. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that one went down in history. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. How Interesting you think note, that? though. Did you know that that's not whipped cream? Well, I didn't figure it was. I bet I did see something about it at one it's point. It's actually it was, shaving cream because yes. whipped cream will melt. Because the whipped cream would melt, the shaving cream was thick, and would stay, yeah. Yeah. Anyhow. So, you know, Mox is the good guy, though, so he, he can't go through with anything. And, uh, you know, he just kind of says, yeah, got to go. You know, I, I don't know if I'm in love with Jules, but I might be, but I know I don't love you. Uh, Lance might love you, the whole thing. And, and we really get kind of that look at how much people really went out of the town at that point, because Darcy just says, hey, it's it's not about love. It was about getting out of this town and making a better life for myself. Okay, so the next day at school, Mox is, you know, is talking to Wendell and discovers Kilmer's been riding Billy Bob, you know, holding him accountable for what happened to Lance. And he's been holding Wendell back a little bit, because we find out, and this may surprise you a little bit, but, you know, an older coach in the South is a little bit racist. Uh, so Wendell and, and Mox kind of, you know, work. They talk through things, work things out. Uh, about this time, Darcy comes walking up and, uh, you know, just wants to make sure things aren't going to be weird. Well, Mox and Darcy share a friendly little kiss, which Jules just happens to oversee, and uh, then she kind of just runs away and gives Mox, Mox the next uh, the cold shoulder here for a little bit. You know, Mox tries to pack things up, but she just kind of runs into class and leaves him there. That night, though, that's okay, because we're, we're going to have ourselves another little party that night as Mox gets all the guys together to take Lance out to uh, well, a gentleman's club, Eric. It was a night complete with booze, broads, and Billy Bob stage just stripping on the stage. You know, it was, it was great. A ten! A ten! Ten! Speaking of that, ten! We also become quite acquainted with Miss Davis, their uh, teacher, who was uh, giving the uh, sex education class. Uh, we, we get introduced to her on a whole new level. Uh, you know, they they uh, party all night. They stagger out the next morning, which is, of course, game day. Uh, and they get slaughtered by an, inter- an inferior team, which uh, th- this was a great sequence, too. And you mentioned the music earlier, Eric. Thunderstruck right there during that game was perfect. Yeah. Uh, 
In the locker room after the game, Kilmer rips into Moxon a little bit about the all-night party that he rips into Billy Bob and throws him out of the locker room for being a crybaby. After Mox gets home, he gets into an argument with his father when his brother comes in with bacon. You know, which, as we mentioned, was Billy Bob's pig. Mox realizes, hey, something's wrong here and goes looking for Billy Bob. Well, he finds a drunk, mentally unstable Billy Bob, who is armed with a shotgun down at the football field. You know, Mox talks him down, convinces him to come back, play that final game so they can, you know, finish out one last game together. The next day, Mox receives his acceptance letter for college. When he's, you know, excited, read it, tell his whole family about it, his dad interrupts because he wants to talk to him about the game, next game that's coming up. Mox uh, isn't very happy about this and says, you know what, just you know, let me know who wins and walks out. Well, we catch up with Mox at practice the, that afternoon, and uh, Kilmer uh, stops Mox after practice and basically says, listen, you're going to do this my way or I'm going to screw up your scholarship and you'll be done. You know, Mox then goes over to try to talk to Jules again, and he tells her about Brown and Kilmer and, Yep, she's really excited about Brown, but in a move that I'll tell you, my wife has done to me on more than one occasion, Eric. She basically just tells him to man up and stop being a crybaby. She tells him, yeah, go out and be a hero. And that pretty much was the second segment of the movie. Eric, how do you think it went? I loved it. Again, for all the reasons, all the all the reasons outside of football. <laughs> which by the way i thought that the action clips for football were very oh, good they're fantastic they used... especially in the final game but i mean all the way through but especially in that final game i thought they were yeah. awesome other than the main actors who they actually put through a a um two-a-day camp to get them ready for this film and get them to look 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 the part and act the part uh they used all real football players, college football players in this. So, um, did you know too, that there is a, uh, a scene, uh, during the, this segment of the movie where they're playing against the Broncos. Did you notice who the Broncos head coach was? No. Barry Switzer. Ah, I didn't catch that. Yeah. Yeah. Barry Switzer did a cameo as the Broncos head coach. Barry Switzer in that movie. And he's also in Turkey bowl. Yes. <laughs> He, he got around as a coach, didn't he? <laughs> He's no dickhead, but you know, yeah. who is, right? Sure, that's right, who is. So, yeah, I mean, I love this. I, I So I, I mentioned it, I think I mentioned it in the last episode. I graduated in the year 2000. This was our, uh, our class movie when we voted on uh, as a class, which movie represented us the most. It was this one. So this movie was very popular. Uh, my senior year and there may have been a few people that reenacted some of these scenes i should say i guess um did, did you steal a cop car eric i did not i was not tweeter uh i i was not i was i was more of the uh uh moxley type of guy kind of kind of had ran sports had ran their course and i was still playing but my attention was more on towards the future type of thing, but uh, enjoyed some success, but not on the football field, baseball diamond. But um, 
but just yeah there was a lot of there was a lot going on in this and of course you know the teenage drama you know is is always it's always good cinema for the most part so yeah i thought they portrayed that very well um so just a, a ton of good things going on there i thought it was very interesting how the whole town all of a sudden was out with the old and with the new you know that yeah, it didn't take long for him to just throw away old uh, Lance Harbor there, did it? Yeah, no kidding. So interesting. That was that was interesting. But yeah, this movie didn't have too many um, slow spots. I thought it, the pacing of this movie was very very good, and and so that's one of the one of the better parts about this movie is even though when they're not on the field, the pacing is fantastic. Yeah, you know, and as I as I talk about this movie, it, it seems like I jump around a lot, and that's because the movie jumped jumped around a lot. But at the same time, the transitions with the movie were so smooth. Yes, that it really worked out well. All right, so that brings us to kind of the final segment of the movie here, Eric, and that of course being the big game. This segment opens on the team prayer. It's the crowd, and I really love the way they shot this scene. They do the team prayer over top of the crowd filling the stands. Uh, you get a Kil- Kilmer coming out, giving this speech about 48 minutes for the next 48 years of your lives, which actually, you know, that I could see a high school coach giving that speech. That, that was a very well done speech. Uh, the team takes the field. The Coyotes come out. They drive down the field. With Wendell basically leading the way because, as Kilmer said, we are a running team. Uh, when Kilmer tries to give it to a white fullback to score, though, after Wendell goes all the way downfield, Moxon changes the play, and he gives the ball to Wendell, even though the guys in the huddle didn't play part of that originally. Uh, their opponent immediately comes out, strikes back, uh, you know, on the next play, and. We're tied to seven. On the next ensuing sequence that we see, obviously we're assuming there was some in between there because we jumped all the way to the second quarter. Uh, On the next play, Wendell is injured uh, and fumbles the ball. Gilroy then comes out, throws a touchdown pass, is up by seven with a minute and 22 left in the half, and Kilmer forces Mox to go out and take a knee. And I'll tell you what, I loved it because I could just, the announcer's reaction and the reaction of the crowd would be exactly what a reaction would be to that that type of play taking that knee. So we go to halftime, and Eric, this is where, it's the real climax of the movie right here. As Mox comes in and sees them about to inject, inject Wendell to get him back in the game. Well, he goes to try to stop him. And he's joined by Tweeter. And then, of course, you know, uh, Kilmer says, listen, you guys would know nothing about team, nothing about loyalty. Well, Lance comes in and says, well, yeah, I would. And he tells him, don't do it. Well, Kilmer throws them all out and Billy Bob steps in and threatens to rip off Kilmer's arms and beat him to death with them. That is so awesome. This, of course, leads to a full on mutiny where Mox, you know, walks, you know, says, I quit. I'm done. So Kilmer says, okay, Tweeter, great. You're going to take the snap. You go, nope, I'm out. Billy Bob quits. And at this point, Mox says, listen, the only way we're going back out on that field is without you. Kilmer then attacks Moxon. 
before the players separate him. Kilmer leaves the locker room trying to get the, the guys to follow him, but when he realizes nobody follows him, he just basically goes back to his office and starts to pack. Moxon at this point gives a just a tremendous speech about being heroic. He gets the guys all fired up. The team takes the field led by Moxon and new coach, Coach Lance. Down by 10 with 8.47 left, Coach Lance decides he's going to install Moxon's spread offense. And to confuse things even more, Moxon's going to call the plays from the line. Well, this completely confuses Gilroy, and the Coyotes score quickly, uh, you know, and get down to within three. So at this point, 17-14, Gilroy's just trying to run out the clock so they can punt the ball. When Billy Bob comes up to Coach Lance and says, put me in, we'll block that punt. So Lance sends Billy Bob into the game, and sure enough, he opens up a road big enough for a semi to go through, and here comes Tweeter, and he jumps up and blocks the punt. So we get in there, and they decide, you know, they, they, Tweeter makes a catch on the next series. I'm sorry. Tweeter uh, makes a catch on the next series, gets tackled, but can't get out of bounds. So now they have to clock the ball. They clock it with seven seconds left. And Coach Lance calls for the hook and ladder because that always works. Yeah. Well, Tweeter makes the catch. He pitches to Billy Bob, who then drags three defenders down into the end zone for the winning touchdown. And in the end, you know, it, it, it has a great happy ending, Eric, because Fox gets his scholarship. He gets the girl. Wendell gets his free ride to Grambling. Lance turns out to be the new head football coach. Kilmer's never heard from again. And what we get at the end is basically a visit back to the beginning where we see the group of the, the four friends walking off the field into the sunset together as kids. So that's it. That was Varsity Blues. Eric, your overall impression. So I've seen, like I said, I've seen this multiple times and watched it many, many times. It's been in my, one of my, uh, it's been in my collection for a while. I think this movie is, is two things. Number one, what I got garnered from this film that I never really saw before is how an older generation coach lost touch with how to relate to a younger athlete. And if you really look at that story arc for that character, how he was viewed and almost worshipped in a way. Yeah. And then his fall from grace because he no longer could come to the realization that he had to change because the players had changed is a story that unfortunately I think was lived throughout America during this time period into the 2000s very much so well and even somewhat recently eric i mean you know we as a home state fans uh saw that play out with well you know one of our former heroes after he went to the pros so that is very interesting and then the other part of this movie that i guess i never really caught before 
was standing up to authority to be the hero. Yeah. Which has been something that I guess when you look at from a political side, whether you're from the left or the right, either both sides can make a claim that they have had to stand up recently to authorities on the other side of the political spectrum. And and at that time period, that was not something that we really looked at in the 90s as as prevalent as they look at today uh, for for teenagers in that age group. So those were two things I garnered from this movie that I had not really gleaned before that I thought were very, very interesting beyond just the football story of this and the coming of age story that is the var you know that is varsity blues and a totally perfect late 90s depiction of high school in my opinion yeah i i agree with you 100 percent with that i think it was like you said like, like i said like you mentioned i mean we knew these people in school you know uh so yeah i mean i think it was a great and you mentioned earlier i mean you know don't consider it a period piece but really it kind of is uh and maybe it's just because we're being old, we've become older, Eric, that maybe we realize that at this point. Um, I don't know. But, uh, yeah, I absolutely love the movie. Um, you, you know, as I was going through, I tried not to speak too much as far as the exact script, because I really think that the listeners need to go out and rewatch this movie. Because it's definitely worth rewatching, uh, you know, just there's several one liners in there that, you know, I just. I let them go. I didn't mention them. There's just the way the characters developed, the 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 relationships between the characters, and like you said, the teenage drama aspect of it all. It's just tremendous. Um, so yeah, that, that's just one of the reasons. It's you know really one of my favorite movies. So that being said, Eric, I guess we we have to go ahead and put that in our flick chart or re-rank this in our flick chart. Yeah, let's re-rank it. It's pretty high on our flip chart currently, so let's see. Well, we've added a lot, so who knows what's going to happen with the matchups. Yep, from 1985, Teen Wolf, give me Varsity Blues. Varsity Blues all day long. From 2009, The Blind Side, give me Varsity Blues. I'm with you. From 2017, I, Tanya, good movie, still give me Varsity Blues. Yeah, yeah, I think I'm going to agree with you there. We were agreeing way too much tonight. From 1993, The Sandlot. No way. Give me Sandlot. Ah, nope. Here we go. There's our first disagreement. Oh. Ooh, here we go. Heads. Thank you. Finally, I was like, I'm not going to lose again, am I? Are you using that two-headed coin again, Eric? No, not this time. From 2003, Radio. Oh. I'm going, I'm leaning Varsity Blues ever so slightly. Yeah, me too. Even though I think, I feel cinematically the the radio was maybe a little bit better done. It, but there's so was. much like about Varsity Blues. The, the pace of the film is better. The, yep. the music in the film, I gotta go Varsity Blues. Yeah. From 1984, The Karate Kid. I, I gotta go Karate Kid here, Eric. So I know, I know I understand the Karate Kid is definitely more iconic. It's definitely more award-winning. Yeah, I gotta agree with you, uh, even though I don't really want to. 
from 1988, Bull Durham. Oh, I think you're going to probably be all over Bull Durham. Yeah. Oh, I'll tell you. Bull Durham is, it, is definitely the funnier film. Yeah. I, th- this is the thing, and I don't want to say this too loud because my wife's within striking distance, and that's one of her favorites. But, uh, you know, if I was going to pick one to watch, just grab off the shelf and throw in, it's going to be Varsity Blues. Definitely has the I, better. I'm going to go Varsity Blues, Eric. Definitely has the better love scene, in my opinion. <laughs> um, yeah. I'm going to agree with you. I, I'm, I'm more of a Varsity Blues fan. Okay, so it went from 12 to 11. So, I mean, it's it's in the right la- location, y- you know? Yeah, it's definitely a top 15. So, yep. yeah, I, I think it's about right. So let's look at uh, what we got from 11 to 20, shall we? Let's do it. All right, so number 11 now is Varsity Blues. Number 12, Bull Durham. So they, what happened is they, they just switched spots, basically. Number 13, Radio. Number 14, Major League. Number 15, Eddie the Eagle. Number 16, We Are Marshall. Number 17, Happy Gilmore. Number 18, I, Tanya. Number 19, Ford v. Ferrari. And number 20, Million Dollar Baby. Man, there are some really good movies there. Yeah, I'll tell you what. Several of the movies have an argument for the top 10. Which ones? Major League? I think Major League. I... Radio. I think that it's very underappreciated. I think Eddie Eagle has an argument. Oh, you're speaking my love language. That movie is so good. There's a couple movies out there that I feel the 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 normal sports fan has not seen that needs to watch. Eddie the Eagle and Twelve Mighty Orphans are two of those films. They oh, Twelve Mighty Orphans was so good, Eric. I, I had to watch it again after we did the show last week. It was just that good. It's amazing. It's it's simply amazing. So, well, yeah. there you there you have it, Chris. That's it, man. Next oh. week we'll be uh, either uh, reviewing Rocky Two or Cool Runnings, and uh, we'll be going over all of the uh, Varsity Letter winners to close out season two. Yeah, yeah. And uh, if somebody can just go on and uh, go ahead and give Cool Runnings that mercy vote, whoever went ahead and gave it out this week, if you want to just go hop on there this next week because. I got a feeling, Eric, that as much as I love, as much as I love Cool Runnings, I got a feeling that, you know, it's it's definitely an underdog here. Yeah, it it you're right, it definitely is. There's no so, doubt about it. Yep. As you said, that does it for today's show. Remember to please rank and review our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever your pod you access your podcasts. Also, make sure you are following us at on Facebook at facebook.com/backslash varsity videos. And until next time, see you at the field, on the court, and in the theater. Good night, everyone. Good night, everybody.
This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.